okay? It's going to be a little bit of a different show tonight. We have multiple, multiple service members dead in Iraq. The number continues to change all the time. And before we get into the phone call from the translator over there describing the situation on the ground, before we get into Major General Schlosser, who's going to describe some things for us, I just have to completely level with you here. I am so completely full of hatred of this at this moment. I'm having a difficult time seeing straight. We have not done right by our warriors in this country. We haven't done right by them in a long, long, long time. And I want you to pray tonight. I want you to say a prayer tonight for the family members who are possibly, as we speak, getting the worst phone call anybody could ever imagine. I mean, and everyone knows what, or at least has thought about what that would be like, right? If you have a child, that phone call. If you have a father, that phone call. There is a mother out there right now. She's getting that phone call. There's a wife getting that phone call. There's a little son, a little daughter getting that phone call, finding out dad isn't coming home again. Keep these people in your prayers. We pray here. Keep these people in your prayers tonight. All right. Now, I've had the unfortunate experience of walking through a couple of these areas. When I say areas, I mean an area that has just been bombed with a bunch of people around it. And I've seen it and I've heard it and I've smelled it. And I will just tell you, it's not something you forget. I would be careful what you consume in social media over the next few days because it's not necessarily something you need in your mind either. But uh, we had a translator over there. He did walk through it. He did a call into Fox News. And look, he describes it pretty well. There was an explosion that happened inside the crowd. A lot of people got hurt. And... I got a baby girl that she was five years old. She died right in my hand. I tried to hurt her. She was not my baby girl. She was somebody else's girl. And I saw her on the ground. I picked it up and I took it to the hospital. But she died. It's not something you forget. It's awful. It's an evil planet. And right now we are going to bring in Major General Jeffrey Schlosser, U.S. Army retired, former commanding general of the 101st Airborne Division, speaking of warriors, and Regional Command East. He's also the author of the book Marathon War. General, thank you for joining me today. I, let's just get it out of the way right off the bat. I believe everyone seems to be saying this is ISIS. I don't know if we can confirm that yet. Let's assume for the fact it is ISIS. Would you please do us the honor of separating out ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Taliban because they are actually separate groups? Yeah, I sure will, Jesse. Um, and again, my heart goes out, just as you said, to the families of the four fallen U.S. Marines. Um, okay, so Let's start at the top. Taliban is the uh, group that came in and re basically reconquered uh, this country. Their interest is they're an Islamic uh, radical group that they ran the country for a period of time before 9-11. Uh, their interest is internal to Afghanistan. Their interest right now is to demonstrate stability and get the United States and NATO out. Then you've got Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is linked to uh, uh, the Taliban, always has been. They've received safe haven prior to 9-11. The reason why we got rid of the Taliban was because we, when we captured and killed Al-Qaeda, we the Taliban basically were unrepentant and uh, we're going to invite them back in again. Al-Qaeda is a transnational terrorist group that aims to bring down U.S. society and all of our allies. They hate us. 
Uh, then on the other side of this coin, but it's the same type of coin, is another Islamic radical group called the Islamic uh, is ISIL, Islamic State of uh, Iraq and the Levant, and it has groups all around the world. One group is called Khorasan, and it's been stationed inside Pakistan and Afghanistan for several years, and has conducted the most horrific terrorist attacks against predominantly uh, Afghan civilians over the last several years. You may have heard about a, a woman's, a girl's school where they uh, basically had a uh, vehicle bomb outside that killed 85 girls. They also went into a maternity hospital, the maternity ward of a hospital of a Hazar, that's an ethnic group in Afghanistan, right outside of Kabul. And they shot dead uh, 16 mothers and a whole variety of newborn babies. Uh, they oh. also hate America. Uh, General, okay, the ISIS-Al-Qaeda rift, would you please, because a lot of people don't know this stuff, would you please explain the rift there and how one sprouted from the other and why? Yeah, so, I mean, ISIS actually got its uh, um, undercurrents in a war that both of us know well, Jesse, and it was in Iraq. And uh, <clears throat> Zarqawi was one of the uh, predominant leaders of this breakaway group. Um, initially, they spent 10 years as a part of Al-Qaeda. About 2014, they determined that Al Qaeda was not radical enough, was not a you know was not following the radical theology that they believed in, and also was not being brutal enough against uh, Americans and NATO allies and others out there, as well as non-believing civilians, which is everybody, including Muslims, that don't align to their uh, Islamic theology. So since 2014, they've been broken away from Al Qaeda, have been their own group. They took over the large part of uh, basically uh, eastern, southeastern of our, uh, Syria and then invaded northern Iraq, which caused us uh, to have to go back in and retake that entire area with some very brutal fighting, uh, including in a city of two million that I know very well, Mosul, which was the headquarters of uh, well, my division when we were there in 2003 and 2004 in Iraq. Could you please explain, as best you can, why are they in Kabul? Why haven't, uh, for people who don't understand, because I've gotten a lot of emails like this today, if the Taliban and al-Qaeda are against ISIS, why are they allowing them in Kabul? Why? Why are they there? Yeah, so really the Taliban cannot control Islamic State. Uh, otherwise, if they did, you know, if they could, they would. Uh, when we swept them up, you know, when we had more troops there, basically they were going into the prisons and they were going into prisons both ran by the Afghans as well as by uh, the United States and finally transferred to them. Islamic State was in there with Al-Qaeda as well as Taliban. They clearly hated each other. There were some murders with inside the uh, uh, jails, but Islamic State had penetrated already into Afghanistan and had, had definitely been part of the uh, uh, Taliban that still exists in Pakistan, and they are against the Pakistani government. So they were inside the fabric of the society in Afghanistan. We released untold numbers, uh, not we, but the Taliban did, uh, when they opened up the jails. One of the first actions they did was they took the leader of Islamic State, took him outside, did a face-to-face, -face, uh, yeah, you're the guy, and shot him dead in, uh, right on the spot. That was supposed to be a demonstration, I think, to uh, uh, the Islamic State. All it did was piss them off. And you're going to see, even after we leave, after this horrific uh, withdrawal, you're going to see this ongoing uh, inside uh, the country. I don't know if it's going to be large enough to be like a civil war, um, but it's going to definitely be a war of one terrorist group, but really essentially against uh, a couple others. 
General, could you please explain for the public, because I'm just a stupid corporal here, could you please explain for the public why our troops are in so much more danger trying to secure an airfield or an airport versus a place like Bagram? People don't understand. How could they even get close enough? How did this happen? Could you please explain it to them? Yeah, so obviously think about your airport as you go, as you go into any place, your regional airport. It was not defense. It was not built as a military camp. Kabul International Airport was meant to be able to take civilians in a normal manner and take them and let them fly around the world. And that's what it achieved. They had some small blast walls that go around the thing, but it was not a defensible site such as Bagram Airfield, which was a military camp. It was the one for us. We built it out, so it was very sophisticated. It had been the same thing for the Soviets beforehand. And I, those of you who know your history, I know Jesse does. It was uh, Alexander the Great's uh, first camp uh, to win her over there in 323 BC as he tried to conquer um, Afghanistan. Uh, General, where do we go from here? Uh, look, I, I actually shouldn't even ask you this because we have a bunch of morons in charge now. If you were in charge, General, where would you go from here? We still have an airport. We obviously can't secure and keep our people safe. We can't get our civilians to the airport because of the glut out in front of the airport. How do we unpack this? Yeah, I mean, I think it gets all the way down to what is our priority. If our priority is going to be to do what we said, which was to get U.S. citizens out of the country and give them every chance to get out of the country, and as many Afghan translators, interpreters, and their families out that are on these SIV um, visas, then we're going to end up having to plus up our troops and build out the uh, the uh, security perimeter, just as you and I would know, Jesse. And remember, by the way, I came in the Army as a private first class. Um, so... That would be option A. There is, there is a whole bunch of things in between, but the last option would be, uh, okay, we're gonna pack up and we're gonna leave. The troops are gonna leave in a hasty manner and we're just gonna get out of there and it's gonna be on our own. Uh, people are gonna be on their own. I hope that that's not what happens. Uh, I'm in contact with a large number of people who have not been able to get uh, to the uh, airport yet and yet are deserving to come to America. So somewhere in between those two things, a reinforcement you know, for a limited period of time to ensure that we have the security at that airfield out for maybe several miles uh, or basically leaving. Okay, General, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a worst-case scenario. Last question here for you before I let you go. Well, I'm, just, I'm just going to assume we're still going to pack up and leave. We've been given a deadline by the Taliban, who apparently run our foreign policy now. I'm going to assume we're going to pack up and leave. What options does that leave for the people we leave behind? Like you said, our SIV people, our American citizens. Is there a place, a country they can escape to in order to get out of there? Where do they go? Yeah, you're going to see, and Jesse, we've already seen this, many that could not get to Kabul are going to the borders, and they're going into Pakistan and then trying to fly out through Islamabad just on civilian flights. Uh, others are going more covert through Iran, sneaking through Iran, no friend of America or uh, most of Afghans, uh, and then into Turkey. And so you're going to see this migration crisis again in Europe and in Turkey. Turkey already has 5 million refugees from Syria and Afghanistan and elsewhere. They can't handle any more and they've said so. This is gonna be a challenge uh, as far as migration goes. Uh, some eventually will come into the United States, they'll eventually get there, but it's gonna be a long and tough road for them. Horrific and some are gonna die on the way. Good grief. General, thank you so much for giving us some wisdom tonight, I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm sorry I have to be on the show, Jesse, to be honest, it's a tragic day. Understand, sir. Semper Fi. Semper Fi.
listen, do you have a home? If you have a home, you have a home title. If you have a home title, that home title is online. It is online. Look, we've been talking, we always talk about the wolves in the world, right? Where they don't all wear ISIS hats. There are cyber criminals out there hunting for your home title as we speak. As we speak, go to HomeTitleLock.com and see if you're already a victim. It's free. It's free. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com and put in your address, it'll give you the whole history, the whole title history of your home you'll be able to see. While you're there, sign up. Make sure you're protected. They'll detect any tampering. Shut it down like that. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Thank you all very much, and thank the press for being here. We're going to go private now. Mr. President, if Americans are still in Afghanistan, No, there's nothing wrong with our audio. That was them cutting off the President of the United States' microphone as he tried to answer a question about Afghanistan. For the first time, I might add, we have a man who is president of the United States of America. It's been going on a week now. The only questions he's answered are in a sit-down, heavily edited interview with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, To say we don't have leadership would be the understatement of the century. Joining me now, founder of the Media Action Network, friend of mine, Ken LaCourt, and LaCourt News, I should mention. Ken I mean, I, I try not to be, and I'm, I'm a huge partisan. I don't pretend to be otherwise. I'm not some journalist. I, I, don't, I don't have a way to put it into words what we're seeing. We don't have any leadership at all right now in the United States. I'm ready for President Kamala Harris, but we can't have this. Well, careful what you wish for there, because yeah. leadership taking you in the wrong direction is, is probably better than a baffled guy. Uh, not taking you down that that path as much. I mean, the only bright spot in this right now is that is that the legacy media is actually stepping up to the job a little bit. Um, um, this is the first time we've seen any indication of this in the past five to six years of the legacy media actually treating something fairly. Um, um, you know, both their reporting on the ground in Afghanistan, which has been generally pretty good. And I think that the administration, after after watching basically the press be complete lapdogs to any Democrat and a complete attack dog to any Republican over the past, uh, you know, since since slightly before Trump, I'll say maybe two to three years before Trump, where things got really really partisan in the overall press corps, they're actually asking questions uh, that 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 uh, that they might have asked any other president. So that's that's kind of the only bright side out of the baffledness of of the president and and out of out of just kind of the the the, the terrible decisions that they've made in, in in this in this drawback and and I guess we can only also be thankful that there are you know only a relative small number of deaths so far but this has been just a, a, a nightmare for people on the ground there for Americans for Afghans who fought and worked with us and actually tried to save their country and for American leadership, who's going to trust us now for the next certainly handful of years? Ken, I'm going to try to do the best I can with you to focus on just the political angle of that tonight. Not that this is a political problem. I realize we have dead service members and there are bigger fish to fry. But just, 
I've been fascinated by this from a political standpoint from the Biden administration because I realize there's no love of country. I'm not going to sit and act like there is. So there's no love of country up there. They clearly thought there was going to be a political win in here somewhere. How did they miscalculate this so badly that they thought this could result in any kind of a political win at all? I, I don't understand what, what the thinking was. Well, I think, the, I think the first thing wasn't a political miscalculation. It was just a strategic miscalculation. I think that they felt that they could have gotten the last troops out of Afghanistan. Uh, why wouldn't America be happy about that? Finally, we're out of a 20-year war that most of us weren't understood, understanding what a, what a win would look like in Afghanistan. And I think that, that um, and, and, and to this extent, I, I, I don't put exclusive blame on the president, but you undoubtedly had military leaders, State Department leaders, NSA and spook type, all the intelligence agencies must have come to the conclusion that Look, we put $86 billion into these guys. They don't have to fight hard for their country, but if they at least last 90 days, then who cares, right? We all knew that Afghan was gonna fall to the Taliban. That was something that was clear. I think Trump understood that. Uh, you know, We've all understood that we've tried our best to, to get this country to be a normal place and failed spending billions of dollars, lives, and, and, and time. But they figured if we can get the things out and we can get our people out, and then three, six months later, the thing falls to crap, we say, oh, sorry, that, you know, that, that's just what happens. So that was the, the primary miscalculation. And again, I'm sure that, that the intelligence agencies and that the military guys thought that, that, the, that the House of Cards would last a little bit longer. Secondly, and this goes to your point about him, in the first days of this, I think that they felt as though the the press because oh my gosh this you know they would either blame Trump or or do something else that hiding Joe Biden kind of made a, a bit of sense until the press really really got on with 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 saying that this was a problem now there was a new yorker star, story out yesterday saying this isn't there's only uh, there's only a few deaths out there or none when this the story was written of, of of Americans that we were aware of it's not a big deal this is all this is a, a fake crisis it's just crowded at the airport had they been able to spin the entire press corps into doing that uh, um, um, a week and a half ago, then their strategy might have might have might have might have changed. But now, you know, what do you do when you're the when you're the 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 the, the, the powers behind Joe Biden, which is not Kamala, uh, it's 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 the chief of staff, it's others up there. Biden can't really; he's not the most articulate guy these these days. He he went out there and and he's he he might create as many or more problems than he brings if he goes and says something high profile in an open press conference, and and so they got a problem. Okay, they do. They have a major problem, and I have a theory, Ken, and you are so good at just popping my theories and just destroying them right here on the air because you're the salty old media guy. So I have a theory. I don't have any inside knowledge of this. I should, I, should, I, should, I should put that out there. This is purely something I came up with on my own. I can see a scenario where Joe Biden loses his presidency over this. And no, I don't think Republicans are going to do it. They don't have the stomach. They don't have the power for it. Republicans are pathetic. Communists, however, do not play games with these kinds of things. They've never loved having Joe Biden there. They must have some kind of a scapegoat for this entire thing. They're coming up against a bloodbath of a midterm for them anyway. Someone's head has to roll. Those are the rules, Ken. 
Why not lop off the head of the guy who has a half-functional one anyway, get in the woman you actually like, Obama's woman, and call it a day? I could completely see Democrats giving Joe Biden the heave-ho out of this. I, look, I think that there are a, I think that you, you, you make a very good point. There are a whole lot of lefter-than-Joe-Biden serious Democrats who would love to see him out of the way and Kamala Harris as president. Um, fortunately for Biden, that is probably not include his entire inner circle. And these are the power, these are the people with the power on, on, on the federal level at this point. Uh, again, it's, it's the chief of staff. It's, it's a few important positions. It's probably some people we don't even know their names are the ones that are really running this. If, if, if he loses, those guys are all smoked. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the good news for somebody who wants to see, who would prefer a, a, a befuddled, somewhat moderate Democrat versus a, oh man, she, she, she's not befuddled, but she's certainly not brighter. So whatever she is, anybody. So, so the people who would prefer to see Biden as president are the ones with their hands on the power in, in the White House. Um, but yeah. I think that definitely you will see in the next 12 months, whether it's this issue or whether it's other, I mean, he's not getting better, right? I mean, I mean, God bless any old person who is, is slowly going through dementia. And I've, I've experienced that, you know, secondhand. It, it, you know, he's not going to get better and, and, and all of a sudden get a lot sharper. He has some days that are better than others. He has some days that are pretty worse. He is going to do OMG embarrassing statements out there, certainly over the next 12 to 18 months. And I definitely think that the, that the leftists in Congress and behind the scenes will try to invoke a 25th Amendment. They, you know, they already teased it ahead of time. Uh, and and I, I, I agree with you. I don't know whether this will be the breaking issue or whether it's him having some really, really troubling speeches or, or statements in the future, which you know I, I, I think is likely to come. Okay, so Ken, that leads me to one more question here. Politically, because again, we're only talking politically here because sure. I don't think these people think in any other terms besides politically. Politically, how do you handle this now? You're the Biden administration. I understand there's no love of country. I get that. But you have a minefield right now. You're in the middle of it. Internationally, you look stupid. For America, you look stupid. You look inept. You don't want your people there. You have people dying there. How in the world do they get their way out of this now? You know, I think you probably still try to tease out the president in a, a way that is least likely for him to, to step on his shoelaces. And so those are the Stephanopoulos types of interviews. Um, I think that you you send out a few sops to the left, which they actually have done. You sign this, you know, whatever this this infrastructure bill, which which I don't know why we're calling it that, and 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 hopefully people are seeing my air quotes here because it's it's as much about social programs and and just dumping money into into you know it's not like this is all going into bridges and highways. You know, I got news for you. That will that will calm down some of the far far lefties. I think you also throw out a couple of other sops to them. Um, um, you know, that's part of it. And then, you know, a, a, another administration might want to say, you know, the next country or the next small tin pot dictator that that rattles our, our, our cage, that, that we, we send out a couple B-2 bombers and, and flatten his tent out there just to show that America and, and Biden is tough and he's not just a weenie who runs away. I mean, so like if I was if I was the Iran, I mean, now I'm not saying that they, they will do this, but if I was advising them, I'd say, Next time the Iranians uh, lob an attack at this, you know, we flatten one of their one of their air bases or or something like that. Do some type of minor but visible show of of, of military might 
that doesn't get any Americans killed and that hopefully doesn't drag us into something bigger. Blow up a couple of those guys and then you'll be like, you can't mess with us. We left Afghanistan because of Trump, but those Istanbulis, you know, they're they're all dead now. Thank you very much. That's what I do. Yeah, let's, let's hope it's not Istanbul. That's nuclear power stuff, but I get what you're saying. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate you. <laughs> Good to be with you. Thank you, Jessica. All right. Look, I'll be honest. Do you, you, you understand I'm in a bit of a different mood tonight? It's heavy night for me. I get it. Heavy night for America. Not me. Heavy night for all of us. I get it. I want to dip right now. I do. I dip for years. Times like this, I want to go home and pour the biggest glass of bourbon you've ever seen in your life and throw a massive dip in my lip. But I'm not going to do it. And the only reason I'm not going to do it is because I still have Jake's Mint Chew at home. I have Jake's Mint Chew at home. I have my bailout at home. I'm going to go home and throw in a huge dip in my lip, but it's going to be Jake's Mint Chew. It's going to be tobacco-free and nicotine-free and sugar-free. And yes, I am still going to have that glass of bourbon with it, but with no tobacco. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be back. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. You know, actually, that's probably not fair. Mistake is like when you're having a glass of milk with dinner and you reach over for the salt and you accidentally tip the milk over. That's, that's, a, that's a mistake. I've done a lot of very, very bad things in my life. So I want to clarify that before we have a little talk about politics, you, me, life, social media. Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota, has been a rock star up to about 15 minutes ago. She's been a rock star in the conservative movement. Did a bunch of right things with coronavirus, so on and so forth. Social media, though. Kids, parents, just us talking here. We ready? Hear me out. I am not one of these people who thinks technology is evil. And that uh, social media itself is evil. It's terrible. It's been the bane of our existence. That's not true. We're still learning how to use it properly. But I will simply say this, I'm mainly talking to younger people out there, but frankly, everyone's on social media now, so I guess I'm talking to everybody. Listen, rule number one, two, three, four, and five of social media, you know what it is? Do no harm. Do no harm, do no harm, do no harm, do no harm, and do no harm. And I say this as somebody who is known to be wildly offensive and bombastic on social media. Do no harm. Christy Nome. Governor of South Carolina, governor of South Carolina, decided to get in a Twitter dispute, or North Carolina, South Dakota, I'm sorry. Governor of South Dakota decided to get in a Twitter spat with a buddy of mine, Matt Walsh, last night. I'll get to, to the reasons why in just a moment. But Christy Nome, you want to be president of the United States. You're the governor of a United States state. Probably wish I could have said that differently. What are you doing? What are you doing? Getting in a public argument. Did you have an extra glass of wine you shouldn't have had? Why are you getting in a public argument with a guy who runs a podcast? Now, Matt Walsh is popular. I'm not going to act like he's nobody. But why is Christy Dome getting in an argument with a conservative on social media? My word. Do no harm. Do no harm. What ticked her off so badly? Well, Matt Walsh, this is a little snippet of what he said. No use for these Republicans who have made themselves useless. 
No use for Christy Nome. Christy Nome is a very attractive woman. So she's got that going for her. That, as far as I can tell, that's the only reason why she was ever looked at as some sort of 2024 potential frontrunner. The hype and everything that she's gotten from conservative media is entirely based on the fact that she's an extremely attractive woman, which she is. But, you know, you put 50 pounds on her and another 20 years, I don't think she gets any of the hype. Because outside of that, she's just a she's just your standard sort of corporatist establishment Republican who's not interested in doing anything. Okay. You don't have to love that. You don't have to hate it. I, I don't care what you think about it. I, th- I thought he made a bunch of good points. And by the way, it's not offensive to say attractiveness plays a part in people's success. That's like a fact of life. I know we're not supposed to say that because we live in nice America now, but uh, uh, beautiful women have a greater chance at success. Handsome dudes had a greater cha- have a greater chance at success in certain fields. I'm sorry if that makes some people feel stupid. It's also an absolute fact. It's an absolute fact. And yes, it's part of the Christie Nome package. She was this, looks to be pretty conservative governor of South Dakota, also a complete dime. Oh, we may have something here. It's part of the package. Well, Christie Nome, Christie Nome plays part of that video. And then she plays the edited part, by, edited by Media Matters, I should say, that far left organization, and goes on social media and says this. Instead of engaging in a debate about the proper role of government and how it isn't conservative to tell people how to do business, Matt Walsh stooped to horrible misogyny. Eyes up here, Matt. I don't think anybody has proved they're not ready for the Oval Office any faster than Christy Nome. I'm not even getting to her policies, which I will get to in just a moment. You pulled out the misogyny card? Lady, you ain't ready for the Oval Office. That's what pathetic loser college students do. You're just saying that because I'm black. Oh, that's just because I'm a woman. You're saying that because I'm gay. Oh, grow up. Buck up and get a thick skin. And then, and then she decides to double down on this, and she tattles on his boss. <laughs> she tattles to his boss. She sends out something to Ben Shapiro with some weird gif. I don't even know. It, it doesn't matter. Look, let's set all this stuff aside for a moment. Let's set it aside. What's the problem with Christy Nome? What's the problem with a lot of Republicans? A lot of people on the right. See, here's the situation we currently have right now in the country. We are completely infected and infested with communism. It is in every single one of our cultural institutions, all of them. I don't, mean, I don't just mean the Democratic Party. It's half the Republican Party, the entire federal bureaucracy. It's all the education system. It's the entertainment system. It's even sports. It's even in our churches. It's in our science community. It's in our medical community. It's everywhere. It's all over corporate America. You can't escape it now. You can't escape this tyranny, this feeling of control. We... People on the right don't have any cultural institutions left. And yet, this is what I see so much of. It drives me up the wall. This is what I see. I see all these people surrounding you and I with with values that are completely horrible to us. And they're tearing through every single thing we care about. And you know the message I get time after time after time after time after time from the right? This is the message. Oh, man, well, nothing I can do about it. Oh, no, that stinks. But, you know, I can't do it. And, you know, this is the word I love. I love when they do this because Christy Nome just did this. In case you're wondering what I'm ranting about, South Dakota, they wanted her to sign a bill. 
a bill where she could ban businesses from forcing people to get the vaccine? Because right now, only half the country is vaccinated, which means half the United States of America has said, no, I don't want that in my body. People are losing their jobs over it. People were desperate. You should see my inbox. It's full of people desperate. Jesse, I'm going to lose my job. Jesse, do you have a lawyer? Jesse, do you have someone I can call? People are desperate and scared right now. What did Christy Noem say? Well, I can't sign it. That wouldn't be about freedom. You see, I'm about freedom. I love freedom. It's free. I love a freedom fest, freedom, liberty, free, free, freedom. If I have to hear one more person on the right use that word in a way that's excusing them, not helping people, not protecting people, I'm going to grab a trash can on air and vomit inside of it. We don't have any more cultural institutions. The only thing we have in the United States of America left, the only thing you and I have, that, can, that even has a chance at protecting the values of ours, that even has a chance at protecting us from the communist hordes, is some of the states. Is some of the states. We don't even have all of them, but we have some of the states. If the governors in charge of these states are going to take the only bit of power we have left and say, ooh, that sucks for you, but hey, freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Doesn't that make you feel better? Freedom, freedom? What if I just repeat the word a couple more times? Free, freedom. Does, did that get you your job back? Did I protect your living? No, hold on, hold on. I know you owe a mortgage. Have you thought about writing back to the bank and just saying freedom, freedom, freedom and handing it back to the bank? This is what we have in this country. It's pathetic. If you wanted to live and let live, as I do, in my opinion, that's, that is the great philosophy. If you wanted to live and let live, the time for that was before you allowed the disgusting communists to take over every single part of our society. Now they have it. Now I need you to do something. And by the way, one last thing on this. Freedom. People don't even understand what that word means. Freedom is not something you acquire by practicing it. You know, you know what the Constitution is? You know what the Constitution is? It's a nothing. It's a worthless piece of paper. The Declaration of Independence would have been forgotten 15 minutes after it was written if we lost that war. You know why you know about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution? Because a bunch of very brave colonial soldiers were willing to go out and shoot British people in the face. That's why. You must be aggressive. You must earn freedom. You must take away someone else's to get yours. Until you stop the people who are trying to take it, don't ever use that word with me again. I'm sick of it because it just sounds like an excuse for I'm not going to do anything. That's what Chris, Christy Gnome's real problem is. All right. We got Catalina Lauf coming up next. But speaking of weapons, Northwest Retention Systems. Northwest Retention Systems. They make custom-made gear. Custom-made gear right here in the United States of America. My holster, Northwest Retention Systems. The belt I currently have on, Northwest Retention System. My mag holder, Northwest Retention Systems. My sling, you get the idea. I don't buy cheap gear when it comes to things that my life depends on. I need my holster not just to be there today and perform well. I need it performing well 10 years from now. Is yours going to? I know mine is. Go to nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That'll get you 10% off. We'll be back. Joining me now is a friend of mine. She's running for Congress in a primary, a very important primary. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Catalina Lauf. Catalina, 
I know you have several friends over there. I know I certainly do. I can imagine what your text messages look like today. I hope they're nothing like mine, but I assume they are. I'll just go ahead and give you the floor, please. Yeah, it's a mess what's happening. And it's unfortunate that I think the realities aren't really even being reported on. Uh, we have a lot of special ops guys, a lot of veteran people who have been retired that are over there with uh, nonprofits and their own teams trying to find their own planes, you know, doing their own uh, evacuation and missions in part with obviously uh, the, the higher uh, structure, but more importantly on their own in a lot of ways because of our government and the abysmal failure uh, of the Biden administration. And unfortunately, I mean, this is, it's not even political. It's both sides of the aisle who are, are to blame for this. We need leadership and we need it fast. We have Americans uh, being killed over there. I just received a report. It was up to uh, 10 killed in action at the Abbey Gate uh, and, and children being nearly beaten to death by the Taliban at checkpoints trying to escape with their families. It's an absolute, uh, uh, not sadness to, is a, a way of putting it lightly. It's an absolute abysmal failure on our U.S. government. Catalina, we have a country of 330 million people. How in the world do we have such disgusting, pathetic losers occupying the positions of leadership? It, just, it floors me away. It's not like we are, we're, we're in a small town of 100 people and you're stuck with the frumpy mayor. We have a huge country. We have all these talented people around here. And we have losers in charge of the country who allow stuff like this. In fact, forget allow, cause stuff like this. How is that possible? You're absolutely it's it's not even allowing, it's, it's completely enabling, and at, at times their own uh, incompetency, it, it hurts the chaos even more. Uh, we don't have leaders who are making decisions to show American strength and superpower. Instead, we have a bunch of weak uh, members of Congress who are more concerned with uh, their next MSNBC appearances and, and bashing uh, God knows what, their own party or even members of Congress you know, I was just in D.C. the other day and you had Democrats and Pelosi voting on a spending bill and still talking about President Trump when uh, there are Americans dying overseas in, in a in a combat area. Uh, it, it is a, a, a travesty. But, you know, this is why people step up. This is the patriot revolution in a lot of ways where people, everyday Americans say, hey, I've had enough of you people who are doing absolutely nothing uh, for the American people. Their, their number one priority should be the safety and security of Americans always. And uh, they've proven that they, they have other priorities than their own than the, the oath that they upheld in the Constitution. And it's time that we replace them. If you are watching this, you this is a time to step up. This is a time to care. Uh, if it's not what's happening here in Afghanistan, it is something else uh, down the line if we don't get better leadership and if we don't get it better fast. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up about uh, leadership. I want to play this clip really quick for everybody. This is uh, the guy she's running against, Adam Kinzinger. This is the kind of leadership we have in D.C. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys help. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days. How we take accountability for that. 
And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. It's to find the truth, and it's to ensure accountability. Good grief. No wonder we have a fertility crisis in this country. Catalina, I, I, I know I'm the jerk. Everybody knows I'm the jerk. But please explain to me how we got such nice guys. I, I, why Do we have this infection of nice in this country where people don't care about effective anymore? They don't care about leadership anymore. They just want somebody who's nice, somebody who cries when he's supposed to cry, somebody who says really nice things. That's why we have Joe Biden. I mean, setting the election stuff aside, that's why we have Joe Biden. Half the country walks into the polls. Well, I don't like the mean tweets. I want the nice old man who forgets people's names and touches kids inappropriately. I'm sick of it. And look, it's much more, I think, than just uh, the puppet, right? I mean, you look at people like Kinzinger and Biden, and they are the puppets of a even broader system, uh, the entrenchment of the swamp when it comes to money, when it comes to protecting uh, the establishment politicians to continue to run our country. That's what it's come down to. These guys are just actors. In a, in a broader scope of the problem. There's a deeper entrenchment in uh, a lot of bad actors in politics that unfortunately, this is the time to step up and, and replace a lot of these guys. And, you know, I, Adam's uh, emotional manipulation there, you know, where are his tears now for the Americans who are being killed in Afghanistan? Last time I checked, he was on uh, MSNBC talking or on The View or what, one of those liberal shows talking about President Trump and how this is all his fault. You know, we need better servant leadership. We need people who actually want to help solve the problem. I know a lot of candidates now are stepping up. They're trying to help nonprofits of our special operators who are out there on the ground raise money for these guys and, and help the humanitarian issue. Uh, one nonprofit in particular is the Global Surgical Medical Group. They're doing a lot of work out there for the viewers who want to help out and step up because clearly our politicians uh, just want to be crying and, and talking about themselves all the time than actually doing what's right for the American people. Would you please do me a favor if you have it and give out the website of that group? I know a lot of people want to help. Yes, uh, gsmsg.org, and it's the Global Surgical Medical Group. Uh, they are doing evac missions and, and other uh, more covert stuff in, in a way that, like I said, the government is not doing. They are stepping up. These are veteran operators, retired guys who've been left their lives to step up and help Americans get out safely. Catalina, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. Thank you. All right. I know that was a heavy show. Let's lighten the mood. How are we going to lighten the mood next? Hang on. I'm not a costume guy. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a costume guy. It's not because I don't appreciate a good costume. Whenever I see a good costume, I appreciate it. I, I think to myself, wow, that's really good. But I'll be frank with you, I get really hot. I run hot. Do you run hot? I feel like I would start sweating and it would be miserable. It reminds me of like when you're a kid, when you would dress up for Halloween and you thought, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And the second you get in there, you just feel like you're suffocating to death. Also, I don't want to scare everyone out of their minds.
Oh, fucks. It's not funny. I see them all.